0: Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Ross Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of the College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft podcast, presented by our glorious YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash Ross Tucker NFL. Wow. Uh, We're doing this on a Tuesday because the national championship game was last night. Alabama, crazy impressive. Today is going to be all about that game and what we saw from all the prospects that Emory and I broke down a week ago here on the College Draft Podcast. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, bunch of podcasts, We've got Ross Tucker football podcast still daily and through the Super Bowl. Then it's three times a week. Fantasy Feast podcast, which is great for DFS for these playoff weekends. Even Money podcast. Great if you want to make a little wager on these games. And then, of course, this, the College Draft podcast. You should also listen, if you're into the draft and stuff, to Andrew Brandt's Business of Sports podcast because it is excellent. Absolutely Excellent. We love it. Um, here's the deal. My co-host on this show is the star of the show. His name's Emery Hunt. You should follow him like I do on Twitter, at FBallGamePlan. He is a raging Cajun, played running back for Louisiana Lafayette. He uh, he usually represents either the Cajuns or one of the teams he does games for, like Myrmoth or Georgia. Is that what is that HBCU?
1: Yeah. HBCU game day. Shout out to those folks over there. What is HBCU game day? Well, it's a, a site sort of like football game plan. They do a great job in covering the HBCU, uh, sporting arena. I'm talking about from on the field to lifestyle. They do an outstanding job, you know, uh, you know, and, and cover Stephen Gaither, his birth child, uh, Tully, you know, is, is another guy over there that does a great job, um, And so they do. They they are excellent at what they do in covering HBCU football. They've been all over the Deion Sanders and Jackson State uh, happenings, from recruiting to the new things that's going on. So they do a great job over at HBCUgameday.com. They even have a TV show every Saturday and Sunday um, on Aspire TV. It's HBCU Game Day. Similar to what Football Game Plan has on Game Plus Network, they have their own show on Aspire TV.
0: It's a really, really good point. Uh, football game plan on YouTube is how you can get uh, Emory on YouTube. It's excellent. I mentioned earlier our YouTube page is youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Emory is football game plan on YouTube. If you want to learn more about the sport, that's the place to go. Like Period. Like that. That is where you should go. Football game plan on YouTube. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL on social media, by the way. Uh, our shows are first posted. You know when it's posted at Ross Tucker Pod, Twitter and Instagram. We also post the highlight clips from the shows there, as well as we'll go ahead and we will post uh, the full episodes to YouTube.com/slash Ross Tucker NFL. So the college football season is officially over, which means it is time to dive into the draft. Hardcore. There's only eight teams left in the NFL as well. So that means 24 of you fan bases, you're all in on the NFL draft, and it'll be tougher than ever to follow it. Combine's going to be different. Senior Everything's different this year, man. You got to get Emory's draft guide, footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide, footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide.
1: Emery, what are you hearing, by the way, about the combine and what they're going to have to try to do? You know, that's that's the biggest question, and it sounds like we may not have a combine this year, uh, and it may be similar to what we saw uh, happen last year. where We're just going to have guys do their private workouts or maybe just have some sort of way to coordinate a medical day for uh, teams because that's essentially what the combine is for the medical stuff, but you want to have guys do something while they're there. So let's have them work out, right? Um, so I think we are probably going to find some sort of uh, medical day or couple of days uh, where guys can get together and, and get all that medical information in. Uh, but I think we're just going to see virtual workouts and times and things of the nature like we saw last year down a stretch.
0: Yeah. Wow, man. I mean, especially the medical part of it. That is going to be – they're going to have to really – there's going to be a lot of scouts hustling to get medical records and stuff like that. And, man, I don't know what they're going to do. last. Because last year they at least got the combine in first. Right. It's kind of crazy to think, you know, if COVID was already here and they say it was, combine's like
1: the worst place. Bro, for- listen, we were out there last February. And, at, you know, once we got back that Friday – or that I got back that Friday or Saturday morning or Friday morning or Friday night, I got back home and Saturday afternoon, I had the XFL game to go cover. And, you know, after that XFL game, the following week, everything got shut down. That's when you had the cases in, at the NBA where they shut it down. And I was just thinking like, you know, every week I tend to think back to the combine and like thinking about all that we had done in that week with all of those people during the day, and at night, it's like I wonder if anyone was sick or had COVID from the combine because it's just packs of people moving all throughout the day and night for seven days. It's ridiculous when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, and at
0: night it gets pretty, uh, pretty eventful. Um, yeah, that that is, I've only ever gone to the combine one time, just one time actually. Uh, so yeah, we'll have to keep, I mean, look, listen. Um, I would say this anyway because I think Emery does a terrific job and I think his draft guide's awesome, but you're really going to need one of these this year. Like, even if you're that person that's like, ah, I just followed on on the internet or I just watched the combine and the senior bowl, like, it's not going to be like that this year. You're, you're going to need a draft guide to know what the deal is. Footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. All right, Emery, let's dive into – Last night's game, Alabama 52, Ohio State 24. You and I both kind of liked Ohio State and the points. That didn't happen. We'll get to that a little bit later because there's a lot of different factors there. Uh, But I I talked to some of my thoughts on the Raw Soccer Football Podcast, but I wanted to talk more from a prospect standpoint with you. But I'll start with this, just kind of a blank canvas. Emery, your, your thoughts, your biggest takeaway from the game last night?
1: biggest takeaway was how good Alabama is uh, was on defense you know they didn't allow ohio state to get any traction and that was the biggest concern for me in this ball game seeing what ohio state did to clemson and now they're going into this game with some momentum some confidence and perhaps you know with with it being a one game season now the entire playbook is open i thought we we're going to see a lot of points scored and we technically did but it was more so for one side, so I was impressed more with how Alabama played that game defensively.
0: Yeah, I don't think anybody was really expecting that. I I think people thought it'd be like 49, 42, something like that. Right. Uh, It was a pretty good job by by the Crimson Tide on defense. And so, um, let's get into it. You know, I think it starts with, we gotta point out, Emory, that Ohio State was down two starting defensive linemen. And I think that's like the strength of their defense. And Togiai in particular had really been good as of late. I feel like that that really hurt Ohio State. Not only were those two starters good players, but part of what makes them so good is their rotation and rotating those guys in and out.
1: Yeah, and, and Togiai in that particular game last night would have been matched up on the reserve center. As we know, Landon Dickerson was out. Uh, with the torn ACL, but that was pretty cool. They let him come in to get a snap in that game. Uh, but that was going to be the big matchup defensively up front, which was going to help draw a double team, which then helps free up those guys on the outside to get pressure on Mac Jones. Without Toe Guy there, that didn't happen uh, across the defensive line. And Mac Jones, as we know, really got pressured on one play where he fumbled the football. But other than that, he was unaccosted in the pocket all night long and and that was a huge loss for them. And we didn't find it out until, you know, they a little bit before kickoff that he wasn't gonna play and two other starters on defense wasn't gonna play.
0: You know, Emery, it um I tweeted this last night at Ross Tucker NFL. I don't know if it's because he's number ten or how he moves or whatever. Mac Jones gives me serious Eli Manning vibes. I'm not saying he's as good as Eli Manning. I'm just saying, like, when I watch him, I'm, I, I feel like I'm watching Eli Manning.
1: Yeah, and I, it is again, uh, some people will always throw out, uh, "Oh, you're only making that comp because of the number," right? Well, sometimes it fits. You know, sometimes it just fits perfectly, um, and then you start to see him in that in that same light. And I, you know, I tweeted out last night. You know, it may not be flashy. It may not be, you know, dynamic, but the dude just moves the chains, man. And, you know, and it's efficient and effective. And, yes, you got to extrapolate how he's doing it from a clean pocket or, yeah, he's playing with the best players. But so did Tua Tonga Valoa, and people said he was the next coming of, you know, God knows who, right? But Mac Jones is just playing the position, how you want your quarterback to play it. We saw A.J. McCarron do that as well. And I was a fan of him coming out. I thought he could be a solid, you know, starter in the NFL. Considering that, yeah, you know, he didn't turn the ball over. He was he was he wasn't flashy. He was effective. Played in the big games. He didn't. I don't think he has the arm strength that Mac Jones has. Uh, so I kind of view Mac Jones the same way. You know, if he was starting for your football team, you didn't at least know he has played in a lot of big games, um, has won a lot of big games, and will keep your team ahead of the chains, which is all you can ask. Your quarterback to do, and that to me, that's essentially what quarterback play is. Okay,
0: I'm glad you brought up Tua because I feel like Emory, we have to go there. And, and I know in scouting that you scout the player, not the helmet, not the uniform, not the guys around him. You scout the player, but it's hard for me to watch Mac Jones have that much success all year, and not think, hmm, did we Did did we? or did people overrate Tua? I mean, Tua had Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy, in addition to all these other guys. Right, right. And, I mean, I don't know. Tua throws a nice ball. He's accurate. But I can't help but compare the two and wonder. Like, if I'm a Dolphins fan last night, the game's in Miami, I'm kind of wondering – uh, all right, this guy's doing exactly what Tua did, even maybe even better, maybe even more. Your thoughts on that, on On whether that's fair and, and or that thought process, that comparison, Emery, between Tua and Mac Jones and what it says maybe about Tua? You
1: know what? That's a great observation and point because you kind of see it play out um, on Ohio State side too with, let's say, Dwayne Haskins hadn't had the success yet in the NFL. And people are now looking at that and saying, man, how do I uh, evaluate Justin Fields, even though Fields is a different player? Um, but you're right. And just and this is why you should probably get the football game plan draft guide, correct? Uh, going back into my notes and looking at what I have for areas of improvement for Tua. Now, tell me if this rings a bell and what we've seen so far in Miami. Can be a see it through type passer, which gets him into trouble. He tries to guide the ball far too often. He really has to power up to put mustard on the throws. Despite having good athleticism, his escapability is questionable at best. Can struggle versus pressure. Doesn't necessarily feel pressure well. Plays a bit frenetic in the pocket, which can lead him to throwing the football blindly. And his injury history, obviously, is a major red flag. So we've seen that with uh, with Tua in the NFL. That's what I got from his tape at Alabama. And I think what, what Tua has... That is, you know, better than Mac Jones is from the uh, initial viewing of Mac Jones. He's a very accurate passer on the short to intermediate stuff. Mac Jones is significantly better on the deep ball. I think the deep ball is just consistently accurate. I think that's an area where he's better than Tua. Tua operates more so. Tua would be the perfect West Coast quarterback, right? You know, that short, quick timing passing game. Um, that allows your catch-and-run guys to do just that. That's why you see a lot of talk in Miami of them needing to pair great catch-and-run guys with Tua to maximize his ability. Because right now they have guys that are vertical threats that get the ball going downfield. That's not Tua's game. That's more Mac Jones' game as opposed to Valoa. So if you put Valoa, let's say, at in an offense like San Francisco, we probably see the Tua that we saw at Alabama. You put Mac Jones in Miami, we'll see the Mac Jones that we're seeing currently. So I think you're you're right in the terms of man, what what did we get, or did we get a sold a lemon? Did we get had by playing three car Monty on the train? No, it's just the fact that Tua's skill set is a little bit different um, than Mac Jones' skill set, and Miami has to you know a better job, which is why you have the all season with drafting free agency of putting those catch and run guys within that offense and allowing him to be what you saw him. To, Saw him be at Alabama.
0: So uh, let's move on to to Najee Harris, and I think there's a theme here. Emery, and I tweeted this this morning at Ross Tucker NFL. Whether it's Mac Jones or Najee Harris or Devonte Smith, it is insane how much these guys have improved while they've been at Alabama. I mean, Mac Jones last year I thought was okay, you know, all right. This year, he was awesome. What was he, second or third for the Heisman or whatever? Nadia yeah. Harris was good, good player. The last few weeks in this season, he took his game to a totally different level. His body control, agility, look, you're the running back guru, but body control, hands, agility, jump cuts for a 230-pound man, very impressive.
1: Now you know what's impressive about Mac Jones. I mean, not Mac Jones, uh, D- uh, Harris, Najee Harris. Now, all throughout the season, we've been saying um, Stephen Jackson, right? Yeah. Now here's another name that just came to mind last night. Somebody asked me, uh, you know, well, we see him out wide a lot. Like we're back at that height, that weight. Um, has have you seen you know that could line up out wide that consistently in the? Most immediate comparison that came to mind uh, for that type of back, Deuce McAllister. Think about how Deuce was at Ole Miss. Think about Deuce's rookie year in the NFL when he had to run sidecar to Ricky Williams. They used Deuce just like how Alabama was using Najee Harris. You know, Saints would go, you know, uh, three by one. They'd have Deuce out there. Uh, They'll motion him out in, in the slot. Aaron Brooks had dropped back in the shotgun, and you have Deuce matched up on the linebacker. He was winning that battle consistently. Then when Ricky moved on, Deuce became the full time starter. And the Saints offense really ran through Deuce McAllister and Aaron Brooks in that passing game. But Deuce was the X Factor because he could you you were uh you were always in a good play because you had a guy that can do it all in the backfield. Ricky wasn't the pass catcher Deuce was, but Deuce was a big bruising back. 6'2", about 230, just like Najee Harris, but also had really good speed like Harris, had the the wiggle to make guys miss because he was a kick returner uh, at Ole Miss and also he returned punts his rookie year with New Orleans. And so you look at you know him now in that offense with the Saints and how he was doing and how he played, how the Saints utilized him, with how Mike McCarthy utilized him. Um, you see a lot of those similarities in Najee Harris. So I think he's just a, such a fantastic uh, running back prospect.
0: How do you how do you account for the improvement from him? Like I thought he would I thought he would leave school last year, you know, be a third round pick. Like, how do you account for him seemingly
1: getting so much better? I think you look at what they asked him to do this year, they increased his role, which increased his value because otherwise those unknown questions would have had to have been found out, you know, during a pro day. Or can he catch the football? Yeah, we'll we'll throw him a couple of passes. Yeah, he can catch that, but, can't, but we haven't really seen him catch like that in a game. We, we you know, where pressure is applied. Um, so this year we saw him go out in more in routes uh, down the field, be a downfield threat, and we've seen more dynamic plays from him uh, on both ends of offense. So last night um, there was a there was a couple. Let's say there was a prop bet and there really was. Uh, I said this on CBS Sports HQ. There was a bet for him going over a hundred and ten and a half rushing yards. I was like, I don't think he'll hit that number, so I'm going to go under. But the total yardage was 149 and a half. I was like, he's going to hit that easily because he's going to have two chunk plays. One will be in the passing game. One will be in the run game. He crushed that over number. He went under 100 yards rushing. Um, he, I think he had like 79 maybe, but his Receiving yards about 85, 90, something like that. So that is the type of back he is. And I think last year he was maybe – he only showed one side of that, the rushing number. But this year, man, just the total capacity that he's been able to show uh, within this game has been impressive.
0: All right, so the college football playoffs are over. But we're just getting started with the NFL playoffs. Wild card weekend was awesome. Here comes the divisional weekend in DraftKings is giving all new players the chance to bet on any of this weekend's professional football games at 100 to 1 odds. Think about that. All you have to do is bet $1 on any football game this weekend, and if your team wins, you cash $100. I know a lot of your teams are out of it. Make the playoff games even more entertaining than they already are. DraftKings, this is the key for me, safe, secure, reliable making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code ROSS when you sign up to get 100-to-1 odds on any football game this weekend. That's code ROSS for new players to get a shot at $100 on any football action this weekend. Limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey PA only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook details. Gambling problem. called 100 Gambler. Here's the thing about Devontae Smith, Emery. Um, He got better during his time in Alabama. He got more explosive. I mean, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, you remember, earlier in the year, maybe in the summer, we said Ted Ginn. Now I'm at the point where I'm looking at him and like, damn, he might be Marvin Harrison. It's been impressive to see the growth in this game this year because I felt like he was just a one-trick pony in going in the summer because I remember I said on the show that I thought Jalen Waddle was a better overall receiver because he could do so much and he's just so explosive. But we saw Ginn, not Ginn, we saw uh, Smith transition from Ginn to Harrison and show body control, physicalness over the middle of the field when making the catch able to track the football really well deep down the field, uh, showing savvy within his route running. I thought he was maybe one of – he ran three routes uh, last year coming into the season, but we saw a little bit more nuance versus man and zone coverage. He has put together an impressive career – season, just like we we talked about from Najee Harris. Devonta Smith was asked to do more this year. He did more, and we know that because he won the Heisman.
0: I also think we need to say this, Emery. Sarkeesian is legit. I mean, dude. You know, I feel like the best play callers, play designers, they really approach it from, what's my best way to get this guy the ball? It's almost like, emory they're not thinking about scheme and play. It's like, how can I, like Kyle Shanahan trying to get the ball to Julio Jones or Andre Johnson or Kittle. It's like, if you just, if you know the guy you want to get the ball to and you design plays, figuring out different cool ways you can get this one guy open. I swear that works more than like, and then you got this option. You got, you got this option. No, no, forget the options. Just get your stud, your dude, design a play for your stud or dude to get open. Seems like it works a lot. I mean, They had Ohio State reeling with those plays for Devontae
1: Smith. Listen, and football is an easy game. It's so easy. And the the key to football is get the ball, like you said, to your best players, right? And so we see coaches do this in critical situations, right? All right, who's my best player? When you take that approach to the entire game, you're supposed to think players, not plays. So, yeah, you could have 500 plays in your playbook, 275 of those plays better be designed for your best player to get the football. If I'm coaching Bo Jackson, guess what my best play will be in my offense. Get Bo Jackson, the football. That's it. It's not about, Oh, like you said, this option, that option. And that's how you get offense to so where you have the quarterback have paralysis by analysis, because they have so many options on so many plays. That's, you know, a paragraph long. You could easily be, Hey, iso the boat, or you know, slant to Devonta Smith in the round to, you know, Debo Samuel. Yes, think players, not plays, and that's great offense. So, yeah, the coach did understand that. Obviously, are coaching, you know, uh, doing the best in that in that regard. Yeah, if you got great players, it shouldn't be hard for you to scheme up ways to get that great player the football. That's just great offense and great coaching.
0: Yeah, he. I, I was. I came away from that last night's game very impressed by Sarkeesian. A couple other things I want to ask you quick. Look. I, I admire it, but Jalen Waddell, I mean, Emory, what were we doing? Well, I mean, I, I tweeted that the first time they gave him the ball. Like, I admire it as a competitor and football lover, but as a guy that wants to make sure Jalen Waddell gets a lot of money,
1: come on, man. Yeah, I, 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 I echoed your same sentiments, man. Like, it was the second play for me where he literally was like, hobble. I'm like, all right, bro, you proved your point, put your hat on and go chill out, man. Like, you got to save the player from himself, man. That, it is, you know, yeah, you like the effort, the, the the you know, the fighting spirit, but bro, that is not cool at all to see that dude out there limping, um, you know, just to play a game. Like you proved your point, man. Get him out of the game, get him on the sides, keep him healthy.
0: Two other players I wanted to ask you, well, maybe three. Um, what'd
1: you think of Fields last night? You know, it was clear and evident that he was banged up still. Um and, you, again, you like the toughness, you like the resolve. And I thought we saw a little bit more touch from him early in the game. It's it like there was one drive where they went down and scored. He had two beautiful uh, touch throws, a one with the one-handed catch to the tight end and one on the sideline, a deep sideline route outside the numbers. Um, and so I thought that was, you know, excellent for, for Fields. And you knew he was, wasn't was playing 100% because he really didn't become that significant of a threat in the run game. Uh, but the passing aspect was isolated because he couldn't really turn. And throw. I think he got hit in the first quarter where he was slow to get up. And that kind of affected him the rest of the way as far as, like, really putting some, some mustard on it. So you saw a lot of loft on those throws from the second quarter on. But you like the value and effort, and you just like he went out there and competed. And I think that was the biggest takeaway for, from that for me.
0: Two more guys I feel like we need to mention. Um, one for Alabama. There's a kid I've seen play since he was in high school. Christian Barmore, the D-tackle. He's from Philly. He was a man last night. He's only a redshirt sophomore. I'm sure he's gone. Uh, Dude, he came out of – he went to three or four different high schools, Emory, Mm -hmm. in Philly, and nobody ever heard of him till his senior year. He had no offers, wasn't getting recruited, Six five three hundred. 300, His, I, and he played at a smaller school, Newman-Garetti. His senior year high school video is like the most hilarious. He, he was built and looked just like he does now, going against <laughs> high school kids, just in the backfield. I mean, he he literally was not on like a top 100 prospect at the state of Pennsylvania. He was not on that list before the season. By the end of the season, he signed with Alabama. <laughs> like, like I, I don't know where they kept him for those other three years but they unleashed him as a senior in high school. He was he was very impressive last night.
1: Yeah, I thought so as well, man. It brought back some Nick Fairley uh, vibes when he, Fairley was at Auburn, how disruptive he was. It felt like they couldn't block Barrymore. And that's something that's just impressive when you watch a guy that big move that quick off the ball. And, you know, as a back, you just hate seeing that, you know, flash of different color immediately as the quarterback has his back turned. And you're watching Barrymore. It's like, man, I'm about to get blown up. And that's just how dominant he was. So yeah, registered sophomore. I'm not I wouldn't be surprised if he's uh gone.
0: The last one is Ruckert for Ohio State. He's good. Their tight end, Jeremy Ruckert, he's a player. I mean, he had that one hand to catch. He had the other one where he took the targeting right in the chin. I mean, he he's he I, I, I saw him in the Army Bowl, saw him before that.
1: Uh he's a Long Island kid. He's good. Yeah, I like the athleticism. I mean, you saw you saw it on display just to be able to catch the ball away from your body consistently. Tough taking the hit. Um, you know, good inline player as well. So yeah, he has a good all around game, uh, like Nick Bennett was when he was at Ohio State. Just a solid tight end prospect um, that we saw last night, and you know he's really put together two strong games back to back. All right, listen. Here's the deal. We are year round.
0: We are going to really start to dive into the 2021 NFL Draft now. You need to subscribe, please, if you're not already. Tell your friends, tell everybody, this is the podcast to get you ready for the NFL Draft. Footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide is the draft guide. You heard Emery's word-for-word scouting report on Tua. He knew. He knew before the Dolphins knew. You need to get this draft guide. You need to keep listening to us. Please spread the word about this show. We love it. We're going to dive into the underclassmen that have declared. We're going to get you ready for the Senior Bowl. There's every week, nobody will have you more prepared for the draft than Emory and I here on the College Draft Podcast. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We are all tapped out.